Welcome to the Core Women Podcast, the place for women entrepreneurs, authors, and self-starters looking to build community and gain valuable insights through expert interviews with women at the top of their game. Join your host, podcaster, producer, expert coach, entrepreneur, and author, Dr. Summer Watson, as she aims to inspire and empower you through these candid conversations. Lean in and embrace the journey. It's time to start the show. Here's your host, Dr. Summer Watson. Today on the show, I would like to welcome Mary Lynn Harris, who is the Chief Kindness Officer at Heart at Work, LLC. Her mission is making a difference, MAD, making a difference. She originally (laughs) founded Heart at Work, LLC to help leaders to adopt kindness in their business. During COVID, Mary Lynn focused on bringing kindness to people who are going through their end of life. And she also is the host of the podcast, Impactful Legacy. We have so much to talk about today, Marilyn. So let's get right into this and welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Summer. I'm going to really enjoy this conversation with you. (laughs) Absolutely. It is a pleasure to be here with you. I'm excited. We do have a lot to talk about. I'm very interested to hear more. But before we delve into your professional background, can you describe your journey thus far in one word? It's been a lot of nexts. Mm, next. Okay. Interesting. Yes. Interesting way to describe that. Explain. Tell me more. Uh, next is about things that come up and you just go with the flow and then just say, okay, next. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's one of those words I decided to use one year. I pick a word every year to decide what my year is going to be about. So one year I just said, well, I'm going to use next. And I just, I find that I use that word a lot every year. So maybe next year I'll change it up. Oh, interesting. But let's talk about, since we're here, heart at work and what inspired you to create a business around the theory and practice of kindness in the workplace? Mm. Well, I started it like 20 years ago. And that was really because we've all had some really crappy bosses I think we can all agree with that. And it was just like, okay, we need more kindness at work. We also need more kindness in our community and and actually kindness with ourselves, you know, being kind to ourselves, taking care of ourselves, our body, mind, and spirit. And so when I started it 20 years ago, it was really about having employers embrace the idea of being kinder at work. And so what does that look like? more communication. It means people working together rather than against each other. It's about creating better teams and collaboration within the workplace so that everybody knows what's kind of going on. It's not hidden behind the glass wall, like, oh, it's only me. I need to know, you know, kind of thing. And also just because I just felt that it was a time to happen. And I will say that God has led me to this work. I had a burnout. I was doing marketing for so many years. I had a kind of a bit of burnout. So I took 30 days out and how I arrived at that was just basically surrendering for 30 days because I didn't know what else I wanted to do. What direction should I go? And then I just made a deal. I said, God, if you can get me out of this, I'll do anything you ask me to. And the word I got was kindness. And kindness was like, what? What? 
well, what's that? You know? mm-hmm. And so anyway, as well, you'll have to show me because I have no idea what you're talking about. And then after that, it came doing a kindness conference. So I did two kindness conferences in year 2021, bringing in people talking about how kindness has made a difference in their business. So that's how I launched Hard at Work. Oh my goodness. I love that. So you did these two conferences and what were some of the things that you learned during that process and during that time about kindness and how we can infuse that more into our communities? Because you're right, right now, we absolutely need to see more kindness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think people just can seem to kind of lack their self-confidence, their their self-esteem is broken. What I learned from that, I had a sponsor, he was a printer and he's no longer in business, but he taught me a lot of things. But he, one of the things he said to me is that, you know, if I'm feeling down and out and I don't know what to do, I, he says, I go out and volunteer and help somebody else. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the key is that if we're feeling unwell or not feeling with it or just off, as I would say, then I would suggest that you just go out and do a kind act for somebody else. And, it, you know, it's always the little things that make a big difference. It's not the big, the big things make, make a nice difference. Sure. But the idea for us individuals, we have the power, we have the control. So just go out and volunteer and share an act of kindness. And you'll be surprised how people will feel it's so appreciated. So I think that's the other key that we are missing. Uh, we don't appreciate each other and we don't appreciate ourselves enough to, to have that difference. Absolutely. I love what you're saying. It doesn't have to be the big things. It doesn't have to be about money. It can be opening a door for somebody, right? saying hello, saying good morning. It can be the simple things that just mm-hmm. make a huge difference. Right. And I think that leads to my next question. I love your <laughs> mission to make a difference, MAD, also referred to as MAD. So yeah. tell us more about how this evolved And I think you told us a little bit about the story, but then how it further evolved throughout the years. I did it for about five years and I just found myself pushing. And I said, no, if this is to be, it's meant to flow, not push. I had companies say to me, we want to buy your program, but we're not going to implement it. And I said, and why would you do that? Oh, so we could just say we have a program. I says, no, I'm not selling it to you. And they would say, and so many of my friends, Marion, you need the money. You should do it. Went, no, I says, it's on principle. I'm just a little, little small businesses trying to make a difference in the business community. And you have these monster companies, you know, uh, of the world uh, want to buy a program, but they don't want to implement it. What does that say to me about if they're really going to do the work anyway? That just tells me that it's just a cover-up. Yeah, but Mary Lynn, it's not your responsibility to make sure that they implement it. And I says, well, if I'm training people, I want to make sure it's implemented. (laughs) So it was just something I just never did because I just couldn't get behind that. You know, if there's no enthusiasm to do it, or you just want to have it to swing and say, yeah, we have a kindness program. Like, you know, we're, we're, aren't we wonderful? No, I don't, I don't want to work with companies like that. 
So I did that for about five years and then I got a lot of that. And then I just went off to doing other things, you know, work for other companies or by surprise, actually going into coaching entrepreneurs and their startups and things like that. And then wrote a book together with my business partner at the time called Build Your Own Business. And so we did that for the last, you know, few years too. So. Wow. So you switched during COVID to bring kindness to going through the end of life journey. So you Mm. went from bringing kindness to the end of life journey. What inspired you to make this shift? It's your call to do the work. It's not something that you just say, hey, I'm going to be an end of life doula. No, God calls you, spirit calls you, your passion calls you. It's something that it's a calling. So I had a friend that passed away. He had pancreatic cancer. And I would say to him, you know, anytime you want me to do get groceries, run errands or something, just let me know. And he was, oh, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And I, I spoke, okay, you call me when you're ready. So he called me in his fourth month. And that's really all that you get now is when you have pancreatic cancer is four months. So he called me in February. He said, okay, I can't go to the bank anymore and I can't do my banking. Can you come over and help me do that? So I became his power attorney for his financial affairs there. And then one day we're having this conversation and I said, hey, do you have a will or something? He's, what do I need that for? And I says, well, because... I can't carry on doing this work without your written permission. So, you know, if you want me to look after your businesses and your personal affairs, it's got to be in writing. And he's okay. Okay. Go get it done. And I'll sign off on it and signed off on it the day before he died. Hmm. And I would say to him, Hey, you can't go yet. I need to know blah, 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 blah. And he would say, Mary Lynn, he said, uh, you're a smart girl a cookie you'll figure it out it'll be like an easter egg hunt i learned a lot from that experience i did that that was almost a whole year's worth six to eight months a whole work uh doing his affairs so i learned a lot i'm sure you did so you've continued this work Mm -hmm. being an end-of-life doula i haven't really heard about that until we start Mm -hmm. talking and I did some research. Tell us more about the role of an end-of-life doula. Considered uh, non-medical. We don't give people their drugs or anything like that. We're non-medical, which means is that we, we're there to comfort and care. We're there to provide communication between the patient's family, maybe their hospice nurse or their doctor. You know, we're just there as a bridge of communication. We're also there to help people who are at the very end of their life to do their forgiveness work, to do some remembrance work, maybe even do some creating their legacy. What What is it that they want to be known for, for when they leave? Obviously, you start that earlier, but if you haven't, then, you know, maybe you want to create some remembrances. If you have children or grandchildren, maybe there's some things you'd like to do for them. So we work on that. If you have a business or something, I can help guide you through things that you have to do before the end of that transition. So there's lots of different services doulas can do and that type of thing. So my thing, of course, from my experience is really getting people to do their five wishes. And that's just a medical paperwork you need to do so that you have your own voice. So what happens to you when you get to that point where you can no longer speak for yourself? 
There are many things. Doulas are becoming more known. Uh, there was just another write-up in the New York Times about end-of-life doulas and how they, that's sort of like, they're saying that's the next movement. And I went, well, I don't want to call it a movement, but it's much more of a calling because there's such a shortage of caregivers and medical people and that type of thing. So that we all need to learn more about how to care for each other. And as an end-of-life doula, people just say, your services are priceless because we are able to help bridge the families. Because you know what happens at the end of life? There's always that turmoil about families coming together. Oh, mom didn't want that. She wanted this. And then you got somebody else, you know, thing. And that's because the wishes weren't completed. And so then you have all the other things. So hopefully people have also look after their legal aspects of it, like their estate planning and uh, I don't do that, but I do refer it out to other people. So uh, somebody says, like being an event planner, a logistics person, you know, mm-hmm. we're the in, in between helping them, assisting them what to do next. Yeah. Sounds like a lot of advocacy too. Yeah. A lot of advocacy. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like it. What an incredible calling. I like that you call it a calling because yeah. it really is. Because if your heart's yeah. not in it, if it is not heart-centered, how can you really be there for somebody else during this really critical time in their life where mm-hmm. they need advocacy? They need support mm-hmm. in a very authentic way. Right. From somebody Absolutely. that cares. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to care. So tell us about your podcast, Impactful Legacy. Well, I had a pie business, as you know, previous to COVID. And when COVID hit, we all, all our food businesses, we had to shut down. So it was like, okay, what do you want to do next, Marilyn? Well, okay, let's do kindness. Let's go back to doing some kindness work. So the podcast, I started that in April of 2019. And I really t- decided that I really want people to share their legacy. What kind of legacy are they creating? Help them share their story, really. Uh, what is it that, why they came up with that legacy they wanted to create for themselves? And started off as more about workplace issues, um, mm-hmm. speaking to people about what's changing in the workplace these days, kind of reminiscing over how I started hard at work 20 years ago. And it was like, oh my God, we're in the same place 20 years ago. We're still there. A lack of consideration, appreciation, kindness. So I just interview a lot of people in that space of trying to get companies to shift more about leadership, things like that. And then now, because I'm doing doula work, I'm also weaving in stories about people want to share about their own legacy, their own story. So that's really what podcast is about. Well, I didn't have this on my list of questions, but you prompted me to think about something. What is your legacy? Well, my legacy is always about making a difference to somebody else. And I think I've more than done that, but I continue to do it because I like to be a service. So I consider myself doing that. And so my difference is to continue to inspire and there's always more to come, more blessings to come. Thank you so much. So we've covered a lot of ground here from where you began and to where you are now and the changes that occurred in the middle and all the Mm -hmm. incredible things that you're doing. So my last question to you is, if you were to leave the listeners with some words of wisdom, what would they be? Keep following your dreams, your passions, your callings, because those are the secret to your life. 
I mean, if you just continue to follow the nudgings, the dreams, the ahas, be willing to allow your life to be of ease and flow and everything else will work. Well, thank you for that, Mary Lynn, and for being on the Core Women podcast today. Oh, thank you so much, Summer. I've really enjoyed your questions. Thank you, everybody. You can follow Marilyn Harris on LinkedIn and by going to her website at heartatworkonline.org and kindnessatwork.us. And you can find her podcast, Impactful Legacy, on most podcast platforms. Thank you for joining us on the Core Women Podcast with Dr. Summer Watson. We're so glad you're here and would love to connect more with you. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Core Women and on Twitter at Core Women One. For more about Core Women and Dr. Watson, visit corewomen.com. Want more support and resources for amazing women like you? Great! Join Dr. Watson and Jen Fontanilla at the Life, Love & Money Collective, a core women production that aids in understanding the key traits that might be getting in the way of living a life that you are absolutely passionate about. Connect with Summer and Jen and find out more at thelifeloveandmoney.com.